friends how many of us have them friends the ones we can depend on talking about friends what's up family welcome back to the stop sinking show where we go from struggle to flow I have some simple questions for you to start this episode. Are you a good friend? Are you sure? How are you sure? What examples come to mind when you support the argument that you're a good friend? Do you have good friends? Do you have at least one good friend? How are you so sure that they are a good friend? Again, what comes to mind to support their friendship being good to you? Okay, here's some harsh truth. We are unable to see past ourselves. It is what it means to be human. We see everything through our own personal lens, which we call perspective. So that means your friend sees you through them, and you see your friend through you. That doesn't seem so problematic, right? Seems like how it should be. And it probably isn't problematic most of the time. But it really depends on how much our emotions, whether real time or collected over time, how much of those emotions color the perspective. And the less opaque and more colored the lens you are being viewed through or you are viewing through, you naturally begin to filter more and more and see less and less of what the person in front of you actually is. You can try this on your phone right now through the accessibility settings and put a grayscale on and just make it black and white or remove just the color red or remove just the color green. Everything now on your Instagram feed or your apps or your, all your media will have a different quality to it than is actually there. So you can see how our filter can cause problems if not managed. And many times it starts to filter out the beauty, the lessons, the very thing right under our nose because we become blind to them. Our filter cannot see them for their full vibrancy. Like we've talked about before, most accidents happen within two miles to home because instead of paying attention to what's going on, you start to play a mental picture of what you expect to be there. Instead of paying as much attention to what is actually going on, you just replay what you're used to. So a car door out of place or an unexpected obstacle in the road or whatever, and your mental picture crashes with the reality of what you didn't see. So what that means is that you are only fully awake to the novel. That's why you feel so alive on vacation or in new places or in new uncharted roads. It's a sense of nervousness and feeling alive. You feel most comfortable when things are certain and we feel most alive when things are not. So to clearly state the opposite of that awake state, instead of being fully awake and alive, when you are in familiar, you are blind to, unaware of, And take for granted what you believe you have already seen. No matter 
how much it may dance in front of you and try to reveal its nuance, your mind has already made up and there isn't much that will get your attention other than the head-on collision to rewire your expectations. And quite literally, you can translate this to how we treat the familiar, close humans in our life and what we are filtering out and taking for granted in the people in front of us. And the more important point and the helpful point for you to ponder on for yourself is the why. Why am I filtering it this way? Why do I choose to color my lens this way? What if, why have I picked up these colors along the way in my experiences in life? Why am I automatically cynical or unfairly dismissive with the people closest to me within my two-mile radius? It isn't an uncommon topic for people to need to hear and get the permission of from the outside world like Gary Vee and all these influencers that you should leave your friends behind that don't serve you. And in this particular context, it's not even the sum total of your friends that make you up and all the other stuff that we've already talked about. Here, it's just so you can be seen by a fresh group of people who will actually see you without the baggage of the background of who they already think you are. They're already pinning their value on you because of what they know. And unfortunately, inevitably, the longer these new people get to know you, and if you remain dynamic and growing, they themselves will grow familiar and comfortable with their idea of you and also not be able to keep up with the pace of your evolution. If you evolve this much, most people don't. And they will also be need to be left behind. And that is the unfortunate part of our natural design. It's evolutionarily important to us to build maps of things and people so we can deal with the idea of what we've created them to be, so we can navigate them. We need shortcuts like this to function. And when people or things venture too far from what we've mapped, it's hard for us to navigate. So for our own convenience, we try and nudge people back into the already explored territories of the map that we know them to be in with us. And very few of us view life like an adventure and are willing to go on this everlasting exploratory journey with the most of people that are closest to us because, we, because instead we fall in love with the ideas that we already have of people, the map that we've already created. And every time we explore out of it, it is a form of mourning, a death, a leaving behind of something, of the work that you did to map it. And they say to truly love someone is to have attended a thousand funerals of who they used to be. And many of us do not carry the strength to attend and be there through this much pain. And it is for this reason, the closest to us do not get a fair chance from us. They say a prophet is never welcomed in their hometown. It isn't until they are long gone or dead that they are acknowledged and put on a pedestal. We tend to discount, dismiss, belittle, and sometimes abuse those that are closest to us, sometimes directly and sometimes indirectly by the box we put them in when they're around us. It's a form of abuse. You ever return home after not having lived with your family for years? and start to then behave in the ways you used to behave. And I don't think the parts of who you used to be ever really go away, but it's uncanny 
the ability of people who expect you to be a certain way to then bring it out of you. And yes, you're still in control, but energy. And we all match and mirror people. So when put back in familiar patterns, even though we've grown past it in other environments, in those familiar patterns, we almost regress back to our less developed selves. Almost to a point of suffocation and disgust. It is this what you are asked to leave behind in your friends and family that do not serve you. Not even a direct fault of theirs that you must then hold them accountable for. It's just that you need a cleansed, a clean palette for you to paint a new masterpiece on. And there's very little room on the one they have already been painting on with you for a long time for you to get a fair chance of them seeing a completely different picture. So... It's either you suffocate acting out your old automatic patterns in those scenarios that those environments bring out of you, or you break free and give yourself the chance to discover what lies outside the lines yourself, of what you yourself don't even know yourself to be. And again, I want to emphasize that it's not that these people are bad people. We just can't see past ourselves, remember? When you see your friend or your family member or they see you who you knew comfortably to be a certain way, stepping out of that way of being in front of you, first there's a part of you that wants that for yourself. And the degree to which you can put that aside and still want it for your friend is really what determines how good of a friend you really are. It's really the ability to put that filter aside and see the person for what they really are. Another breathing, budding human being who you love and have investment in and want nothing but the best for them, for them. JP expands on this topic from Carl Rogers where he distinguishes a good friend. He says, you can tell a good friend bad news, but most importantly, you can tell them good news. And the bad news is obvious, right? And less under the surface, whether someone is truly there to support you through a difficult time. If they give you their undivided attention and don't minimize it and don't tell you some bland wisdom or change the topic, some might even get joy in your bad news and secretly gloat that you have met your match or some difficult obstacle in an extension of them wanting company in their own misery as they themselves have been humbled by their own match. So if they are either there listening to you, undivided attention, and they're on the spectrum of a good friend, or they are secretly wishing and glad that you are going through that difficult time, these are some ways for you to know if you have a good friend when you tell them bad news. But whether someone really appreciates your good news is harder to pick up on but a more important measure of true friendship because more of them gets revealed through this process. A true friend will be genuinely happy for you. And sadly, this is very rare because of this filter of ours and the color we've tainted it with. The first thing most of us do is feel insecure and compare ourselves in the light of the good news of our friend. Oh, their business is growing or they're making bigger deals or they achieve some accolade or whatever. The first thing most people do is to assess themselves against it, even with your closest of friends. And I find that a really sad part of human nature. And this is why you give strangers more of a chance. 
Your insecurity keeps you from appreciating something your friend might be good at because you are so close to them. It's almost like a sense of entitlement to have what they have. It's maybe even a bit of familiarity breeds contempt. It's almost as their success or attempt to step out of what you know of them triggers an entitled resentment. Like, who do they think they are being better than what I think them to be? You find it difficult to imagine your friends outside the box of the imagined place you have put them in. And when they step outside of that, what is comfortable for you, and they exhibit some quality that you feel short of, that you also want in yourself, you find it wholeheartedly difficult to appreciate their expression and success in it. It's almost like your friend is gaining success and riches or even just owning their own voice, and somehow, because you are not there yourself, achieving that yourself, your appreciation of their achievement is dampened by your own shortcoming. Because that's the first filter you pass it through, is your own insecurities. And again, it's not that you are a bad person and can't appreciate them at all or be there with them to celebrate, but... Nonetheless, the appreciation is blunted, softened, because you have a tendency to see everything through your own filter, and how do you measure up now? Where do you now fit in the hierarchy? What rung do you sit on now? And it plays on the fear of time passing, being left behind, not being where you want to be, and everything else. All triggered because the good news of, of a fortunate situation of someone who is a friend of yours or someone close to you. And a lot of times we cope with this insecurity by changing the subject in a way to downplay the celebration that should happen that is the growth of your friend. But put a stranger in the same place, celebrities, famous people, even people we follow on social media... You can celebrate their wins and be more happy with them and reshare their accomplishments and tell everybody about it and talk about their new business ventures because they don't touch the same emotional side of you where you once thought that they were your equal. It's depersonalized. It's less entitlement triggered. So you can appreciate their new ventures more, can give them the flexibility to develop and reveal new parts of themselves to you can truly accept and appreciate the directions they excel at and ones that they're working at. Now, are you a better friend to the stranger than to your actual friend? Maybe. Except it's mostly imagined in your mind, this friendship, a parasocial relationship. So wouldn't it be something to ask yourself? Which I really hope, like I said in the beginning, is the takeaway from this entire episode. Is to question why... Are you not a good friend? Why do these things come up in you? Why do you allow more grace to someone who you barely know than someone close to you? And it's probably not because I'm a bad person. It's probably that I'm so insecure in what I am that when someone close to me becomes something I wish for myself, I cannot appreciate it. Or I cannot appreciate it as much as I could if I was detached from it. And it's almost like I want them to be stuck in the same crab bucket as me. How dare they climb out? And maybe the crabs don't have intense feelings like this. But again, I don't think it's because the crabs are evil or that because you're an evil person. 
It's because of your fear of loneliness, fear of inadequacy, fear of being left behind in that crab bucket by yourself. And the only productive part of this recognition is to use every future opportunity in which we are to play a role for a close friend or a family member and to treat them with fresh eyes when presented with something they share about in their life, whether positive, happy, good, or bad, to try and see them separate from us as a person who has just as many needs as us, a real-life person separate from us, who has no need to be passed through our filter. And the real opportunity is, when doing this, the natural in the beginning, the natural critic voice that dampens your appreciation of them, distances you from their humanity, will come up. And it is this opportunity in which you should listen. Figure out what it's telling you about you. Where is it pointing at for you to work? What insecurity is it identifying? What shortcoming? What is it that you want for yourself that someone else has or is ahead of you in achieving? And maybe you won't be at perfect service for this person in front of you in this particular scenario. But if you take these opportunities to listen to this inner voice that projects and spews this noise, the more you will have information on what parts of you are begging to be worked on and addressed. And the more you actually start working and patching those parts of you, the more of a presence you can give and the more of a present you are to your friends. And that's the only real sustainable yet arduous path to becoming the person that is a good friend. And then maybe you can worry about having good friends. Worry first that you are a good one yourself. Man, with all his noble qualities, still bears in his bodily frame the indelible stamp of his lowly origin. It's where we gravitate to. It is only in line with your human tendencies to compete and try to measure up. It is from the most primal parts of us. But that 500 million year old brain, those most primal parts of us, only contribute to basic survival. Anything on a higher plane from there requires a different vibration. Stay true, my friends. Love you always.